You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Hey, what's up? Before you listen, I have a quick request from you. While you're over here listening, go ahead on down, give us a rating and a review, especially if you're on Apple Music. Let us know how much you appreciate what we bring, the conversation, the dialogue. Tell us how it supports you. Give us that good five star. We appreciate you. Hello and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to see you here where you are challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So as I talked about last week over in Pause on the Play, uh, the community, we are talking about how it is that you can begin to invite those that are taking in your content, listening to you, those that are hearing your message, whether it's podcasting, your content, any of those things, that you're opening up yourself and the space for them to feel something. And one of those ways that that happens is through inviting people in to your personal lived experience and allowing the space for their their personal lived experience to show up as well, to see where that intersection is, where that sweet spot is. What are the things that we share? What are the things that are similar? What are the things that are different? This gives an opportunity to be able to tell stories, to find things that connect us, and it also creates this very valuable space to figure out what it looks like to agree and sometimes disagree on things and yet still find a way to keep the dialogue going. This happens through music. This happens in just day-to-day conversation. It happens in content and it happens in storytelling. And so all of these things and more we are going to go into today. And the best part of this conversation is this is one of those where, again, my favorite conversations are the ones that you forget someone else is going to listen where you just let it flow and you're able to go into places that you didn't expect it to go. And yet it is so incredibly valuable, entertaining, and this is what connection can really look like. So pause on the play audience. Welcome Mr. John Good to the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I am extremely excited to introduce you to someone who I was introduced to his existence by a longtime friend and client of mine that went to school with him and she talked so highly of him and I'm like let me let me see what this what he talking about and went over and found him over on the Instagram and have been fully in love with everything that he does since and I was fortunate enough to be able to you know communicate with him and being able to bring him today to the podcast to be able to let you hear this conversation I am beyond ecstatic because his entire way of utilizing words as a way of communicating and sharing stories and concepts and his just way of weaving them together in a way that makes you think and yet at the same time is absolutely fucking hilarious is what I am here for. So ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary people alike, Mr. John Good, welcome, sir. Oh, it is my pleasure to be here. Look, you did you know, put on your sexy voice. I said, look at this. The radio came on, your whole voice and really turned into something. I I, I sat up straight. I was like, look, 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 who is this? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you got to pull up that, what is it, the, the 10 p.m. quiet, quiet storm voice. <laughs> 
you done did it. I said, well, 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 hello. <laughs> so I want to let you take a second yes. to tell everybody a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and who is John Good. Oh, John Good. I am I am John and Barbara's boy from Richmond, Virginia. I currently live in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a writer of all things. I've written uh, stage plays and TV commercials and poems and a novel. I've been uh, nominated for an Emmy along the way. I uh, won a Pro Max. So, you know, I've written a lot of things, ransom notes, whatever you might need. I'll write it for you. I'll make it beautiful. I think, hmm, how can I put it? I still think there's so much more that makes you who you are that maybe people don't pay as much attention to. I think that when you are a, what is the word? When you're someone that is multi-layered, multi-talented, multifaceted, there's so many things that contribute to the whole of who you are. And so I think when we begin to dig into how your personality comes into the way that you do things and how it informs your viewpoint on things, what is it that makes you different from someone else that writes, someone else that utilizes their voice and their brain and their context to create? I mean, the thing that's going to make us all different, uh, different of course, is uh, that no one's lived the life you've lived but you so you're going to bring your own unique perspective um to the table for for myself um my journey as an artist begins in spoken word poetry but when i say spoken word uh spoken word as a whole to me spoken word is anything that is uh, a naked voice on a microphone in front of people uh so i listen to a lot of poets like you go back and listen to um, you know, Mary Baraka and uh, you listen to the last poets and, and Gil Scott Heron and all these people. Um, but also I listen to a lot of comedians, you know, you're going to, for me, at least I'm going to listen to you know, Richard Pryor and Rudy Ray Moore and Dave Chappelle and you come up and listen to all these comedians, but also I'm going to listen to a bunch of preachers. Uh, I'm going to listen to motivational speakers. I'm going to listen to anyone who can command a crowd with just their voice for an extended period of time. I'm going to sit there, try to figure out what it is they're doing. Uh, how they are, you know, really capturing this audience. And then I'm going to apply those tools to my own life, to my own experiences, and see if I can in any way grab people with this combination of, you know, comedy and what might be some sort of like insight. They might feel like uh, religiosity and what might feel motivational in some ways and what might sound poetic in some ways. Try to synthesize it all into one uh, grand outpouring. So that's, that's what I do. That's how I create the things that I try to create. You mentioned something that I think is very accurate and people don't always consider it. And it's the fact that you use the word naked. So you use, you said when a voice is naked over a track. And I think mm -hmm. that there's something pertinent there because of the fact that when you are sharing what it is that you want others to hear, Yes. what it is that you want them to partake in. There's something really necessary about dropping the pretense. And there is something very, there's something that's required of you to not show up behind a filter in order to truly be heard and to be received and to be understood. I agree 100%. And I agree 100%. Yes. But what happens when you don't? Like, how does that shift what you're telling? You mean when you don't show up like authentically as yourself or when you have something that can you can hide behind something to like, I don't know, obfus obfuscate, um, you know, your message? Which which one do you mean? Both, actually. <laughs> That's a both. I think both are <laughs> both are important. <laughs> Well, it's interesting, like, so you, with, with, with some music um, that, that you may hear, um, what people really fall in love with is just the beat. They don't really hear what the person is saying. The person can hide behind um, you know, the drums and, and the rhythm and the music. And so you, you don't actually know what the person is saying. You're just caught up in the music. One of my favorite illustrations of this is Andre 3000 on the song Hey Ya, right? 
Hey Ya is a song about kind of like about how love will not work. That's kind of what that song is about, right? So, but he and he but he knows that no one's listening to what he's saying. That everyone just loves the music. So he has a point in his song where he says, "Y'all don't hear me. Y'all just want to dance." And the song just keeps on going. And I was like, "This is an amazing illustration of a guy that knows." I am telling you kind of this sad tale over this incredible dance music. And because of that, you're not even going to hear what I'm saying. You're just going to dance. So where Andre, I think, has this, um, you know, absolute uh, revelation and understanding of what this is. I think a lot of artists don't. They just they just get under these beats. And I, they, I think they think they're saying something, but really it's just the beat. And you could tell because if you strip the beat away, you'll be like, well, what? Wait, what is even going on here? What is what is being talked about? This is insane. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And so that's the thing. I take uh, at school sometimes, I do an after school program with uh, Dr. Fahm who played Koo. And there have been times where we would take a song, strip the music away, and just listen to the words. And even the kids would be like, oh, like, mm, this ain't this ain't as jamming as I thought it was. I'd be like, I, I know there's nothing happening here. And then some songs you'll be surprised. You'll strip the music away and you'll be like, oh, surprisingly this artist who i thought had nothing to say is actually saying a lot so that's one and then two when it comes to showing up in the space authentically as yourself i think it's it's difficult to be someone that's not you like over time once you give people something that's not you um you will either tire of it or you will at some point probably forget who you are you know and and get caught up presenting some sort of imaginary tale uh you know that you've bought into which can drive you crazy you've seen artists after artists after artists who give the people what they think the people want and then when they want to give the people who they are the people won't accept it the people just want this facade they've given where if you would have given the people yourself from the beginning they would have loved you or they would have hated you but they would have loved or hated you for you like you could have slept in your bed authentically as yourself at night knowing I gave them me. And um, I don't think there's anything more important or valuable than that, than just just giving them yourself, you know. As I said to you uh, the other day, I'm only good at being me, you know. I only know how to be me. I don't know how to be nobody else. So the thing, the funny part is what you said, I think is true because of the fact that very often people will hear something as a conglomeration and they miss pieces of it. And so a song is a great example of how if you take away the music and you simply listen to the lyrics or the opposite of that, mm -hmm. all of a sudden it hits different. Right. That might be a good thing. That might be a not so good thing. <laughs> but I think that being able to kind of get into the fact that you want to hear what's actually there, what's being said what's actually the message of it. I think that that's an important piece of communicating, let alone storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think this is like, like great, like great albums, like um, great musicians, like especially hip hop artists, you could take comments album, like water for chocolate. I own that album as an album. I own that album as an instrumental album. And I own that album as an acapella album mm -hmm. so that I can hear that album. I've heard that album in every, way you can hear that album and it's a there's no version of that album that I, I don't find to be masterful and i think that's the the power of like uh some like great art in, in 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 that regard musical art is that when you're really doing it every part of it's on a thousand like what what you're saying is on a thousand the music is on a thousand the vibe is on a thousand when somebody's doing all of that like when stevie wonder had that you know that run of albums you know inner vision music of my mind yes. every one of those albums every piece of that what he's saying, how it sounds, how it makes you feel, how it makes you think. Those albums, uh, that whole Songs of the Key of Life, that whole run of albums Stevie Wonder had, those albums just hit you on every level you could be hit on. And that's when I think you're really in the sweet spot. I agree. And so the the interesting piece about that to me is the fact that those songs, I think sometimes if you think about music as a concept, it is in one direction. You are listening and it just kind of lands there. I tend to think that it is very, um, it's very much a conduit. Mm 
because this person has created something, you receive it. It is processed by you in a certain way. And then from there, it actually kind of goes back out. So you share it with somebody. It's a part of an experience. You know, you're going through a breakup and it's like, oh, this song, this song <laughs> told my whole life. And it really becomes a way of agreeing or disagreeing with what was put in front of you. Because very often, and the, the artists that I tend to find very masterful at their craft, they don't tell you what a song is supposed to mean. Correct. You choose that. And so that to me really allows it to become more about here's the message, do what you will versus having to say, you must process this information in the way that I deem it worthy. Yeah. I think I saw this interview. I think it might've been with Eric Clapton. I can't remember. I think it might've been with Eric Clapton and they were discussing one of his songs and, and someone in the audience was a group of people discussing it with them. Someone said, when I heard this song, you know, it made me, think of rainbows when you wrote it uh he said you know was it about rainbows he said absolutely someone else said when i heard the song it just made me think of home was it about home he said absolutely everything everyone said he said absolutely so then people said well what's the song about he said it's about whatever you thought either whatever you thought it was about that's what it was about like i have no answer for you that's going to be like no nah, it wasn't that absolutely if it was about rainbows this is about home if it was about you know I don't know, the gutter, whatever you heard. That's what the song is about. Like, enjoy the song. It's your song. Like, in in your listening, it's kind of your song. Whatever it does to you, that's what it was, you know, meant to do for you. So in that way, yes, that's what it's about. That, to me, begins to go to the point that I want to dig into, which is the fact of how when you are communicating, which I, I think that music is absolutely a communication method, mm -hmm. it is less about fully agreeing or disagreeing with somebody's way of presenting their experience, their thought process, their processing of something that they went through. And sadly, I don't think that there's enough of that happening. And I guess I kind of want your opinion on whether or not you think that there's enough space for people to actually truly communicate and have conversation in a way that isn't about I have to agree and if I disagree oh my gosh we have to now become unbenefited because we can't do this here <laughs> right I think that so as time has moved forward people have absolutely um, chosen their corners like I'm in this corner and you're in that corner and people are very dug into their positions in a way that often people uh, will not be open to hearing a a a differing opinion. Like there can be no no gray. It's just it's just black and white. It's just this is wrong and this is right. And I know that you know in this world, there's certainly been a time where people can have conversation and then find consensus. Like if we 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 can find common ground. Like we may not be all the way left or all the way right. We're somewhere in the middle. We're in a place where. You know, where from this vantage point, we can both see both sides of the argument. But and I don't know if it's with the advent of the 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 Internet. The Internet is an interesting thing because because of the nature of the Internet in the screen. It allows people to speak in a way that they wouldn't speak in person, like to be um, divisive and even rude in a way that they would never do face to face facts and so <laughs> facts right and so <laughs> it has created this interesting dynamic where people get they, they dig in so to be honest with you so i don't go back and forth with people on the internet because it seems pointless because everyone's dug in and then eventually it's going to turn into some weird personal attack you know so mm -hmm. if you're like yeah um you know i'm pro-choice and they're like you know uh, you know, they're like, you pro-choice and your mama ugly. And it turns into some weird thing where you're like, what, 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 why, why has my mother been pulled into this, this conversation we're having? <laughs> you know, it's so, this is like the nature of the internet in a weird way. So I think that where we need to find ourselves, if personally, I think that we need to find ourselves in more rooms where we can be 
like have face-to-face conversation. I know that sounds scary right now because we're in the middle of COVID. But once this COVID thing is over, right. we, we should find ourselves in rooms where we can look each other in the eye, like feel each other's humanity and have conversations about these issues that are so near and dear to us in a way that maybe we can find some consensus, find some common ground, find some commonality. You know, I think that the humanity is taken out of the conversations too much because we're doing it in this very, very kind of cold, you know, through text with no context type of way. I agree 100%. And I, I talk about that. There is no context in just flat text. And there are pieces that are being lost there. Now, the other side that comes up for me when we talk about the finally being let out of captivity and being able to be face to face again <laughs> without worrying about catching the Rona. The piece of that is I do believe that we as humans are going to have to be re-socialized because I think we've forgotten how to interact. I think we've forgotten common niceties and and to an extent, if we take it back old school, where your manners, mm. um, a lot of things I think are are missing because we don't have to interact as much. We are not around people in the same way. We have forgotten what it is to coexist with the exception of the people that are in your household or for those that do have to work that are really in your kind of small bubble. We're not talking about those that are just still out here wilding out like ain't nothing happening. (laughs) But I do think that that will interestingly affect our ability to be in person and have these conversations. And the agreeing part, I think, is is the easy part. The disagreeing part right. is where the challenge comes in. Correct. Right. And I, I've had situations, definitely, in the real world, face-to-face, I've had conversations with people where we're, we, we're not on the same page on an issue. And we, we, we're talking it back and forth. And we can get somewhere. We'll get somewhere with it where a person will be like, oh, man, you know what? I, I never really... I didn't think about it that way. I've had this time and time again, especially I play chess. I, before the, 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 the pandemic, I used to play chess in Woodruff Park all the time in Atlanta, Georgia. And you have conversations like this. On the internet, I don't know if I've ever once had that conversation. It's just something about the screen and the keyboard just changes the nature of the conversation. It's like, because there's this, this rolling record that everyone can see, now there's this fight to say something kind of snarky and witty so that people will cl- click like and say, I like it. Oh, I like I like that you, oh, you told them, oh, you cracked their face, whatever, so they can click mm-hmm. these likes. But there are no likes like that in real, con- like in real conversation. We're just having a conversation. There will be no record by which someone will say, oh, you know, someone clicked like on my comment that came out of my mouth. <laughs> you know, it doesn't quite work right. the same way. Right. So people approach it. They just approach it completely they compl- uh, completely differently. I've, I've seen it time and time again. The, yeah. And it's this piece of, I almost wonder what does it look like to, to actually have functional disagreement in person? Because again, online, it just, it, it very much becomes vilified and it's, it's, it's like the Saturday night fight. Let, let's just watch <laughs> this and see who wins. Right. And so, what what happens to what needs to happen rather it's probably a better way to frame it to create a space to where disagreement can actually bear fruit you know i think number one is both both people have to come in with a somewhat open mind like when people come in 100 percent dug in um and they will not be moved then there's no point in us having this conversation if you don't come in with just the basic premise of this is what I believe, but I'm here to hear something else that might sway me. So when you uh, look at um, the most recently, the second impeachment, um, impeachment of Donald uh, Trump, you have Republicans who it didn't matter what you presented, they were not there to hear the argument. You know, they had come in with their minds made up. So there's, there's nothing you can say to those people to convince them. So you have to come in in some ways, open to the conversation and open that you may hear something new, uh, something that may inform your life and inform your opinion in a a new and different way. So I think that's number one. You have to come in like this. 
Mm-hmm. And then two, I just think both parties have to come in ready to present um, their best argument, their best point of view, however you want to uh, label it. You just have to come in with your salient points and and have your argument based <laughs> in truth, right? So right. I have a homeboy, God bless him. He will throw you a number. He will throw you a number that he just pulled out of the air like it's nothing. Like he'll say, you know, he'll be like, uh, you know, 38.5% of all women have been in a relationship with another woman. You'd be like, what? what? You'd be like, where did you get right? Where did you get this number? No, nah, no, nah, that's now that's a fact. Show me the number. No, 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 no. I'm just telling you, that's a fact. So, <laughs> so no, everyone no. has to come in, you know, presenting the information as they know it to be true. And then I think you you have a chance of getting somewhere. You have a chance. I'm not saying you will, but you have the opportunity that that maybe you can. But it it has to begin with openness. It has to. Right. Well, what you said though is important because everybody comes in with their their truth. And I think that there's plenty of space to say that your truth can be valid and so can mine. And then there's also facts. Right. And so what happens is the disagreement is so based in my truth versus your truth. Right. Or what I have decided is the truth for the collective whole that right. you're not taking in facts. And so I, I think that there has to be a place that conversation has to allow you to agree and, and not agreeing just because, you know, I'm, I'm checking the block of like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a yes man. Like, yes, yes. We're, we're all yes here. Um, but also being able to disagree based on the possibility of getting some real insight versus just being contrary. Cause I think that that's another piece. Listen, I agree. You you got to like, I mean, even with, let's just say this most recent pandemic, you can say, so listen, the CDC has recommended that you wear a mask and they are um, forwarding the vaccine. And you will have mm-hmm. people to be like, well, you know, Dr. Vinny Boombop from Pink Topaz University said <laughs> that if you just get some hydrochloroquine and you'll be all right. And you're like, no, <laughs> that's not, that's not a, a reliable uh, source. And they're like, well, we'll we just agree to disagree. And I was like, ah, well, no. uh, let me just say, <laughs> I just, mm, or no. they're quick to be like, so you'll be like, so the, you know, the, these, these, this group of scientists from wherever this, you know, the, from, from the world health organization say this, and they'll be like, do your own research, brother. And I'm like, what is that? I don't have a lab. I don't have right. a microscope. I don't have sli- you know, slides of that. I don't have it. What I'm like, what research are you? I did my own research and and and, and Dr. Vinny Boobop from Pink Topaz University. I'm like, you didn't do your own research, you just you found some madness. So right. that's the other issue we're dealing with is this incredible campaign of disinformation is people taking what is not reliable information and just passing it off. It's like, these are the absolute 100% facts. And what they're searching for are things that um, just justify the narrative that they're already married to. So they're like, this is the narrative I'm married to. I found one maniac who agrees and I'm going to lift this maniac as the show enough truth. Show enough. So with that, so, okay whenever there are conversations that I am having out in the wild here on the podcast or with clients, when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, yes, I am, I have my pieces of information. I listen to what's happening around me. However, I'm also a black woman and have been since the day I've been born. Mm. And so therefore that is going to inform those things. And I think that there has to be this way of figuring out that conversation and being, again, being able to agree and disagree for fruitful purposes. And I think that very often people are not given permission to disagree with the status quo. Mm. And so, um, from the perspective of a black man, your whole entire life, Mm -hmm. 
I'm interested to hear what has kind of set the tone for you and the way that you communicate and tell stories and utilize your voice and your words for impact. Like how has that set the tone for you to be able to navigate that entire space of agreeing and disagreeing, but making it about the art or the desired impact? You know, here's the thing. So for myself, I, I understand that as I stand on stage and I present work to people, um, my you, you have to know one, like what your goal is. So for me, my goal is to communicate this I idea in a way that's, that's digestible um, and in a way that, that, that you can like connect with. And there are many ways to do that. You can do it through humor. You can just do it through something that's very, very thoughtful. You could do, do, do it through a piece that um, pulls on uh, people's emotions that like, you know, pulls on the emotions that might make them uh, feel, you know, sadness, remorse, all kinds of things. So when I approach uh, writing anything, my first thing is like, what is it I'm trying to say and how am I going to get it to them? Like, what is the, the, the approach, right? So, so here's the thing. All right, uh, Erica, how much time do we have here? Oh, you're good. Ooh. Erica, I'm gonna I'm gonna recite a poem for you. Is please. that cool? Yes, please. All right. Now I have not practiced this poem, so let's just see how well we can do with it. All right. All right. So this poem, the way this poem uh goes is um it's called it's called uh the talk. So it says Pop walked slowly into the room, pulled up and sat down on the stool. I just turned 12. He turned to me and said, Well, you're gonna be a man soon. In the coming years, months, and weeks, you won't get off into these streets and try to do some of the things a man would do. So let me be clear. I want to speak to you here about some of the things a man should do. It's time for me and you to have the talk. Now, I did not buck nor balk. I've been waiting for this, nay, praying for this day. I read some books that dealt and took some notes and felt like I knew everything he was about to say. I read some pleasing words about the bees and birds. I dialed some numbers I shouldn't have, charges and fees incurred i'd hit my brother's penthouses forum i'd choose i'd chosen my own adventure i'd read some penthouse forums and i'd venture to say all this was going on around the same time i was sneaking into the living room late evenings on the weekends to watch scrambled porn now scrambled porn was cable porn that even if you didn't pay for it still kind of came on it was mostly interference in snow you stare at it till it cleared for a millisecond or so then a woman would let out a low throaty oh oh then a flash of feminine flesh would ghostly show, and I didn't know if it was an elbow, arm, toe, or tit, but somewhere in my young, fevered mind, I just knew I wanted to hump it. But look, bump it. Let's skip to this one week in school that made all the boys sit next to one another. I watched this old movie with a woman who was old enough by now to be someone's great-great-grandmother, but here in her youth, she didn't, she didn't have the common sense to make her lover use a rubber, and she has since uncovered and discovered she picked up herpes simplex one through six. Now, you can forget Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Halloween. This was by far the scariest thing my young eyes had ever seen. She seemed to have white, crusty cauliflower for lips, and her privates nestling just between her hips looked like a bleeding, boiling, festering oil slick. It was nasty, Erica. One kid passed out. Another just got sick. One kid cursed his own ass out for his own wanton wickedness and promised to never use his never-been-used tricks. After a couple of views, we all vowed that we choose to exclude ourselves from sex. We become monks next month. Yes, just forget it. But by lunch, we were trying to hunch the girls and play hide and go get it. And that's just how it goes. So now I'm staring at my father as he supposes to lecture on the sexual lexicon. But little does he know, it is me who was about to get his lecture on. All kids want to impress their parents. So I spoke with hubris about the pubis and the mons veneris, about the labia and weight of the pubic hair's protection, about erections, when and where it's appropriate to display affections, the clitoris, the uterus, the ratio of fellatio, ingestion, the ejection, baby boy, girl, epidural, C-section, foreplay, foreskins, condoms, any questions. Now, he's staring at me, and I'm guessing I've impressed him. Then he spoke sparingly, and here began the lesson. He said, listen, this is something they'll never teach you in school. He said, this is the talk that all black men have with their sons. He said, son, here are the rules. He said, the police will pull you over when and wherever they choose. Hang your hands out the windows and make no sudden moves. Never run from them. Their bullets run faster than they are against you. Never run to them. 
their laws run slower, and then they are against you. They hate black faces like an angry minstrel, which shoot you in the back during a chase until the blood and pain seem minstrel. Keep a cigar box filled with bell beneath your bed for the night that your wife has to come and get you, and know that you are viewed as a fool, as disposable, as opposable, as minuscule, and if you ever have a child, you will sit with anger while you deliver to him the same speech I have just given you. And that's something as a black man they'll never teach you in school. Then he stood up from his stool. He left as slowly as he came. He paused by the door and said, oh, and for sure, use a condom and don't bring home nothing. We got a name. I sat there staring at the floor with a look I just can't explain. Knowing I'd have to come to grips with this, live, exist, and persist with this, and know that my real life was scarier than any old flick with a woman with herpes simplex one through six. So that poem is called The Talk, right? So, mm. so you know, oh boy, sorry. I'm like, there's not enough snaps for that one. Boy. <laughs> so wow. that's a, that's a, I hadn't, I hadn't practiced or rehearsed it. So that's an old okay K rendition of it with a couple of stumbles in it. But let me, this is the point. This is the whole point of me doing that poem. So what I really wanted to have when I wrote that poem was a conversation about what it's like to be um, a young black man, young black person in America, what it's like to have to send your children out to deal with um, the imminent threat of being shot and killed and murdered by police, right? That's the whole point of the poem. But, and that part of the poem probably takes 40 seconds maybe. And the whole poem is probably three minutes and some change. All the stuff at the top is to take you on a nostalgic walk through your early childhood and puberty and what that may have looked like and felt like if you were from a certain era of living. And there's a, a fair amount of humor at the top because, um, you know, if you want someone to, to, to take the cod liver oil, you know, put a little honey with it. So you give them a little bit of humor at the top. You give them this little bit of nostalgia that helps people settle in and laugh and feel comfortable. And then the poem turns and then it gives you the cod liver oil. It gives you the thing that's supposed to, you know, that's good for you down at the bottom part of it. But then it's the, the poem still ends with the whole, you know, don't don't bring home nothing. We got a name, which is another moment of of levity and humor um, to also just bring your mood back up right at the very end. So when I'm writing, these are all of the these are some of the things I take into consideration. What do I want to say? How do I want to say it? What is the the device that I'm going to use um, thematically and literarily to effectively bring that to you? Um. And I think that's what a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, artists do. Like when Dave Chappelle is on stage, he he is he has so many interesting devices he uses to make these points. Like a lot of times he don't just come out and say it. It's wrapped up in some kind of other narrative that then brings you the point almost like it's some sort of parable. And I think that's a that's a, that's a powerful thing. Like artists that can do that in music and comedy motivational speakers, preachers, spoken word poetry, anyone that can do that, there's a, a, a real currency to to being able to to touch people and affect them through these devices. I have to now ask what might seem like an obvious question, but do you yeah. think that there is a specific set of tools that can be given to people of color, especially black people, when it comes to our storytelling? in some of those types of methods that you spoke about. You said, do I think there's tools they can be given? No, I think, how can I frame it? I think I notice the way that some people of color, specifically black people <laughs> communicate and yeah. tell stories. Mm -hmm. And it sometimes feels as though we have a different box that we're going in that, some people that are not of color, mm -hmm. they don't have the same set of access to sometimes. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, so, I mean, as I'm hearing, as what I'm hearing is you're saying that people of color in their storytelling, that they have, um, I don't know, access to certain tools that mm -hmm. other people do not. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think we, t we tend, we have a propensity to sometimes tell stories very differently. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but for us, at least. So there's this there was a report, uh, a paper that came out some time ago that that was it was about the Holocaust. It was saying that the trauma of the Holocaust 
lives in the DNA of um, descendants of, um, you know, individuals that survived the Holocaust, correct? Mm -hmm. So if this is true of the Holocaust, it's clearly, of course, true of people who have survived the transatlantic slave, slave, slave trade. And then you would also have to imagine that if the trauma can be passed down through your DNA, then I would imagine that the joy probably can also. So you might even still be able to, in some way, um, access the joy and the ability wrapped up in what is the oldest form of poetry uh, or, or of spoken word, which is um, the griot, which is the African storyteller, which is the whole history of a tribe um, that is synthesized through one person who can orally recant for you the entire narrative of an entire you know group of people. So that lives in our DNA in some way. Um, and it's, it's a beautiful thing that is very, very um, like specific to us in some ways. Like this is a tradition that is born out of the African experience. So the art of storytelling, it, it, it is wrapped up in our double helix. So, um, you know, we got it, man. We, we got it like no other. <laughs> right. And I think the reason that that came up for me is because very often we are conveying information or sharing stories and narratives and perspectives and points of view that are sometimes being communicated in ways that if this is not your lived experience, this yeah. is not your point of reference, you don't understand it. And yeah. if you don't understand it, does that mean that you try to find the space to comprehend what it is or do you negate the existence of it because you cannot translate it comes down to the individual of course like some people will try to uh negate and and um definitely marginalize and push it to the side and then there are people who would definitely try to engage and understand it um i don't know if there is you know one answer for that i think historically of course we've dealt with people who wanted to negate our stories because maybe they don't understand um, where we're coming from and where these stories are going. But as time has moved forward, especially I think with the rise of um, like hip hop, because hip hop, hip hop in its original inception is nothing but a first person narrative from young black people. And it's a first person narrative that where even if it's not your lived experience. So even if you are not from Compton and you ain't never sold dope and dealt with none of this, if you're a young person, black, white, or other, and you're listening to uh, NWA straight out of Compton, they put you there. They put you in their shoes in that moment. You can see it. You can hear it. You can feel it. So I think with the rise of hip hop came a generation of people who are more willing to engage with our narratives, uh, engage with our stories, and try to um, see and understand them in some way. Of course, the other danger is because it's a first person narrative that people hear and loves for some reason, some people start to think that it's, it is, it is their story, you know? So you've got right. some, you know, nice white kid in the suburbs who all of a sudden think he a gangster. And I'm like, no, it's not, it's not your story to like become your story. It's a story that you should, you know, listen and hear and, you know, understand the story, but you don't, it's not for you to make it your story. It's not your story. It's easy, easy story. That's easy story. Let easy have it. <laughs> You just listen to it and dance to it and understand it. You ain't got to get out here and buy a gun <laughs> like a man. No. no, but I think what, what you said is key because I think that there is a point of, regardless of if you agree or disagree with a narrative, being able to allow that narrative to mm -hmm. belong to who it belongs to and yeah. to not co-opt it nor negate its validity Correct. is so important to any type of conversation, communication, or dialogue in any way, shape, or form. Correct. Yeah. I think it's important to know, like, what's your story? Now, can you, like, you know, throughout the history of the world, of course, like film, all kinds of stuff, people tell stories that are, you know, so, like, uh, the, the Terminator, right? So the Terminator's a story. That's, that's, that's just a made-up story. And they present it like, yeah, this ain't my story. This is a story I made up. So, you know, when stories are not your stories, if it's just, you know, some some made up narrative out of your head, then you have to be clear about, you know, what's yours and what's not yours. What's fact and what's fiction? Where are you central uh, to the narrative and where are you somewhere on the outside trying to project into the narrative? 
like you have to just be clear about who you are and where you are and what you're trying to do. And I think you have to be able to allow things to be as they are Mm -hmm. and to let it be just that in the sense of, I don't have to like it to still agree that it is masterful or that it is um, an act of skill and talent. And because often I think people are like, if I don't agree with it, if I don't like it, yeah, that's trash. It's terrible. It's like, is it terrible? Is it just not for you? <laughs> well, let me just say, in my point of view is, I don't have to like it to agree that it 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 it, it does. It sh- because I don't like it doesn't mean it shouldn't exist. Because I don't like it doesn't mean that you sh- that no one should be able to see it. You know what I mean? Like, right. So, I think that people. Even artists, I tell people all the time, I was like, you have to get comfortable with the fact that not everyone's going to like your art. That that someone, so I was online the other day and uh, I looked up Purple Rain by Prince. One of the greatest albums ever made. Yes. I, th- I think it had like 5,000 dislikes, right? And somebody was like, this album is trash. And I was like, see, it doesn't matter how great it is. Someone is like, it sucks. This is terrible. I'm like... I'm sitting like, this is goddamn Purple Rain. <laughs> this is one of the best albums ever made. Yeah, Someone yeah. is going to hate it. Someone is going to hate it, hate it, hate it. And you have to, you have to like understand that and be comfortable with it. When I create, when I create art, I create something that I, that is true to me, true to what I'm trying to say that I, you know, for anything you create, you are the first audience to that thing. So I have to like it first. So once I get at that point, I put it into the world and I'm going to let it do what it does. And some people are going to love it and some people are going to hate it. But when it comes back to me, I have to tell you about the genuine place from which I made it, whether you like it, you know, or not. So, yeah, I I don't think, yeah, I, I, so many people, when they don't like something, they feel like it shouldn't exist. I just, I, I don't feel that way. I'm like, no, it should exist. I just ain't got to see it. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> All of this has been amazing. And I need to tell you again, thank you for reciting your poem. I, y'all, I did not know that was happening. And y'all could not see my face. I was like, oh my gosh. Like I'm 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 pumping my fists in the air. I'm doing all the things trying to be quiet. <laughs> but that was everything. So Oh man, thank you. I appreciated that. So before we wrap up, I want you to tell people about the latest book which is Midas and I want you to also tell them about where they can come and find you yeah so I've written a novel uh Midas is my most recent uh creation it is, it is a novel and it contains two short stories absolutely the longest narrative I've ever put down on paper and uh, I've been blessed it's been doing very well it was no, uh, a number one new release on Amazon for uh five weeks it has I think at this moment 79 five-star reviews uh, it's available on Amazon. You can find it there. If you're in Atlanta, Georgia, you can go down to a, a retail store called The Village Market in Pond City Market. They're uh, signed and autographed copies of the book there. And individuals always hit me up. They'll inbox me on Instagram. On Instagram, I'm at John, J-O-N underscore good, G-O-O-D-E. People inbox me there all the time because they want, you know, they, they live in Maine and they want like a signed copy. And I will, you know, they'll they'll cash out me the money. I'll sign the book and mail it directly to them with their, you know, with uh, a, a personalized uh, signature in it. Put my put my Herbie Hancock in it. So, um, <laughs> so uh, those are the, the that is the most recent novel. That is where you could find it. Before that, I had a book called Conduit, which is a word you used earlier in this very very uh, same conversation. Mm-hmm. That's a collection of poems and short stories. Um, that was number one on Amazon for roughly three i think it was four months it was number one on amazon and that has i think 69 five-star reviews that's also uh, available much the same way and where can you catch me you can um you catch me yeah, on instagram catch me on facebook um i'm also the host for the moth the moth is a a, a storytelling event we used to do it of course live all over the world right now we're doing it via zoom until the world opens back up. So I host moth events. You can catch me there. I host, I, I am the sometimes host of the moth uh, podcast. You can catch me there. And I just recorded an episode of the moth radio hour where I host that you can catch me there, or you can catch me at Kroger exchanging 
coins for cash. I'm all over the place. I'm all over the place. For all of your insight, your time, your humor, and your talent for all of those things. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Let's do it again. Let's yes. do it again. Look, you put on your sexy voice. Let's do it again. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I seriously cannot tell you how much fun I had being able to record this this episode with John. First of all, again, I did not know that he was going to give us that bit of poetry and that that spoken word. I mean, it was just I mean, it was it was everything. And being able to really have these moments in there where I was just like, yes, this, this is everything because really being able to go back to the fact that this entire conversation was about point of view and seeing how that can benefit you when you are talking to your people, how that can benefit you when you are creating content, when you are taking in content, being able to hear how his piece talked about things that drew you in, but then being able to hear that the talk that black men have to have with their sons, that was the point. That was what he was trying to drive home. But understanding how in his analogy of the honey that comes before the cod liver oil, how sometimes you have to figure out how is it that you can invite people in to be willing to hear what it is that you really need them to hear. And so like just that masterful way of weaving story and experience and narrative into the way that you communicate and connect. I'm just so glad that you got to hear that. And as we continue having dialogue this month about how to invite people in to want to hear you so that they can hear what it is that they need to hear. As we continue this over in Pause on the Play, the community, you can come on and join now. That way you can hear what it is that we're going to be talking about. You'll get an opportunity to go back and hear the replays for the workshops that we have already had. And you'll also be able to take in the content that is yet to come. That way you can take it back into what you're doing and the impact that you want to make. Go on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community. Be a part of it. Be able to take this back. Make it do what it do. I told y'all before, make it do what it do. And as I wrap up here today, you know I love this. And so as always, thank you for taking the time to come and listen as we cross lines and recreate boundaries in order to support and not separate. Let's continue to get more people dropping the veil, challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. And I love being here, creating the bridge for you to walk over as you become the change that you want to see. So until next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?